Well, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. I'm Jeff Moore, principal of Wave 7 Research. Great. Hey, Jeff. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, glad we're able to do this. Glad to, yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to spend some time talking about the cable industry's uh, continued foray into the mobile arena. But before we get to that, uh, Jeff, maybe I can, uh, can I have you give us some detail about the focus of Wave 7 Research and, and a little bit about the, the kind of research that, you're, that you conduct. Yeah, Wave 7 Research is focused on uh, providing information about what's really going on in wireless. So we don't uh, just uh, regurgitate press releases. We actually dig into what's really going on uh, via actually hitting stores, talking to sources, uh, digging into an advertising database that we have access to. Um, and so we tell the, the real story about what's going on well beyond the press releases. And our areas of coverage are postpaid competition, prepaid competition, smartphone competition, and fixed wireless competition. And by way of introduction, I'm a um, veteran of Sprint. I worked for Sprint for 13 years and spent eight years running their competitive intelligence group. Uh, and then uh, founded Wave 7 Research. And, uh, and, and I also have a column in Fierce Wireless where I share some of my thoughts, and I'm pretty active uh, on on Twitter as at Wave7Jeff. Okay, very good. And the uh, now, since you do spend a lot of time out in the market, have, are you on the road a lot? <laughs> you know, popping into stores yourself, or do you have an army of people to go out and do some of that? Uh, there, there are several of us, and so yeah, we, we hit a lot of stores, and uh, and uh, yeah, so disproportionately a, a larger. Um, most, most of our checks are conducted in Kansas, Missouri, and California, uh, but we also do checks occasionally in uh, places like New York and Las Vegas and, uh, and other places. Okay. Well, good. Well, before we kind of get going on the uh, uh, kind of the nitty gritty of what the cable guys are doing in mobile, uh, you've coined the term like junior cable, right? In some of your commentary and analysis of the uh, the cable industry's focus on mobile. So for those um, who maybe are not familiar with that term and uh, what you mean by it, um, how are you defining that, you know, just to kind of get our bearings on it? So basically, if you look at the cable market, you have two very large cable companies, uh, Comcast and Charter, that cover roughly two-thirds of the United States. And uh, both of them, it's no mystery by now that both of them have launched uh, aggressively into the wireless space, and both of them are doing very well. They've added collectively something like 10 million subscribers, uh, but the, and, uh, and they've really livened up competition in the markets where they are active. But that raises the question, what about the other one-third of the United States? And so the, uh, the other shoe to drop uh, has been uh, Cox has just gotten into the mobile space throughout their system as of December, which Wave 7 Research broke that story. Uh, and then there are other cable companies out there as well. So uh, when, when I talk about junior cable, really I'm thinking about any cable company smaller than Cox and Charter, sorry, uh, smaller than Comcast and Charter, uh, covering basically the other one-third of the United States. Okay, great. And we're going to dig into some of yeah, uh, the, uh, the approach that uh, the segment that makes up Junior Cable is, uh, is taking on here. But, um, you know, big picture, uh, you know, U.S. Cable led by, like you said, uh, Comcast and Charters had some decent success so far. They've both um, coming off record quarters, I think, of um, mobile line growth. We'll see what Q4 comes out as, but um, 
you know, has any of that success, you know, surprised you or is this about what you expected them to do? I attribute their success to a couple of things. First of all, they have a very large customer base and they're able to exploit that. They are, they're constantly in touch with people paying their cable bills uh, for connectivity and uh, and they've been able to exploit that. Um, but an, an, another uh, underlying piece of their success, I, I think, has been uh, $30 per month family unlimited lines. That's very affordable. They've uh, been uh, it's hard to imagine calling uh, the large cable companies disruptive, but they have been in terms of pricing of $30 per month unlimited. So that's been an underpinning of their success. Um, and so I, I think that uh, they're, and you look at even their store footprint, they continue to grow the number of stores. Uh, so there's, and, and their large ad budget. So um, all, all um, it, it seems to be all tailwinds as far as uh, the cable companies entering the wireless market, which is another reason why I think it's very important to discuss what about the other one third of the United States, uh, Will Cox and Will Mediacom and Will uh, Wide Open West and all the other cable companies uh, have the same, a similar level of success. Right. Any, uh, uh, I guess we'll have to see how they put things together, but, um, uh, but again, is um, the way that at least the, uh, you know, Charter and Comcast, the, the success they've had, though. Um, I mean, do you um, did you kind of expect that all along, or did again is you know, the level of success kind of surprise people? I mean, what, what's kind of your take on on the uh, you know the reaction? Now they're a few years into their deployment, but I, I'm actually. Um quite impressed by their level of success. Um, I could tell, uh, you know, I was uh, in talks with the cable companies, um, you know, as they were launching and knew that this was going to be a very big and serious effort. Uh, but I've been around the industry long enough that I remember the pivot joint venture that Sprint had with <laughs> yeah. the cable companies about right. 15 years ago. And uh, and to be completely honest with you, that was a disaster. Um, and so I uh, you know, had that in my mind that, uh, you know, that that was a possible path for the cable companies, but uh, rather than a disaster, they've actually managed their uh, wireless launches very, very well. Yeah, I wonder what kind of the big difference was, you know, because I think during the pivot days, um, it was more voice oriented with mobile, you know, and the way they're packaging this now, it's very uh, broadband focused or, you know, uh, bundling with the home broadband customer and the pricing and packaging seems to make uh, some sense for a lot of consumers, but um yeah, strategically, yeah, it just feels like it's like night and day compared to what we saw, you know, during the pivot, the pivot days. From, from a yeah, I, I think it's yeah. all of that, but also uh, one, one thing that's uh, sort of missing from uh, a lot of people's analysis is uh, what they're doing at retail. So the cable companies have taken uh, what had been sort of backroom uh, places, you know, in some hole, hole in the wall in some offbeat place where you go to return <laughs> yeah. your cable box, and that would be your interaction with the cable company. Uh, now you walk into a, a Spectrum store, walk into an Xfinity store. It's probably in the mall. It's probably in a very nice-looking uh, strip mall. Uh, it's, it's brightly lit. People are well-trained. Um, so it's, it's a very different customer experience. Uh, they, they're, they're ready for mobile uh, now in a way that they weren't 15 years ago. Okay. And uh, we talked a little bit about Cox earlier on, so let's drill down on that a little bit, right? Because you've been on top of that part of the story for a few months, um, even though, yeah, like you, you saw, they were out there in December. But um, at CES last week, you know, they did do the formal announcement of the national launch of Cox Mobile. Uh, I think 18 markets where they offer uh, cable service and, you know, the general playbook, at least, you know, down to the MBNO deal with 
Verizon and the focus on uh, mobile uh, bundling it with home broadband seems to be pretty similar to what uh, Comcast and uh, Charter are doing. But um, you know, from what you've seen so far, uh, any big takeaways or surprises with what uh, Cox is doing with that strategy? Um, at least you know in the initial markets and 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 kind of where they're moving forward from there. Yeah, my, my reading of that is that they're following the same trail that was blazed by Charter and Comcast. Um, so the um, I guess as you alluded, they were only in a, a limited number of Cox markets until late last year. Um, but the way that we discovered that they were system wide is that uh, I actually walked into a Cox store here in Kansas, and uh, and had you. Uh, landed from Mars, you could be forgiven for believing that Cox was a cable was a wireless company and not a cable company because mm-hmm. signage was absolutely pervasive throughout the store. Um, and what we have not seen yet from Cox is advertising. They're not really advertising it, although uh, they, they dropped a few tidbits in uh, in Vegas at CES that uh, yeah. that that may be changing here very soon. Uh, so the, it, it sounds like they're. Uh, very much uh, following the trail that was blazed by uh, Comcast and Charter because the pricing seems similar, the approach seems similar. Um, the advertising will probably be heavy once they get that underway. Um, so, um, so I, I think it's uh, very similar, just uh, obviously on a smaller scale. Okay, and we also heard recently from the uh, uh, the CEO of the uh, the National Content and Technology uh, Cooperative that they're, they're making some progress. On MBNO deals, that'll help. Uh, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier about hundreds of small and mid-sized operators, kind of to get them into the mobile arena. Um, how do you think that will change the the picture? Right, assuming that enough NCTC members take advantage of those agreements to to move the needle. Uh, you know, or do you think that has an opportunity to move the needle a little bit in the market? Yeah, I think most of the larger U.S. markets already have cable uh, competition now that, uh, you know, the Charter and Comcast and, and most recently Cox are um, – they have coverage of, uh, you know, most of the major cities. But small-town America doesn't yet have cable competition, a, a lot of the NCTC uh, markets that you alluded to. Uh, but there are several moving pieces there. So certainly the NCTC, as Light Reading has covered, is, uh, is making moves that could bring some smaller cable players into the mix. But we've seen some other players do things as well. So, for example, uh, Reach Next is an MVNE that has worked with uh, Wide Open West, and uh, Wide Open West also uh, went uh, system wide with their wireless launch last year as well. So, certainly, uh, that that's a factor. And and um, and we've reported that Reach Next is in talks with uh, with dozens of cable companies about uh, about possible launches. Um, Telespire is an MVNE out there that uh, we know that has been. Uh, certainly in talks with various companies about launches as well. So there are multiple paths some of these uh, these uh, cable companies could, could choose. Right. And what, what's kind of changed, right? Because, you know, uh, like we talked about, Charter and Comcast kind of help blaze the trail, but now everybody's uh, seemingly interested at the very least to get into the mobile arena. But, you know, do you think that tracks back to the um, – uh, what's going on with the broadband market? Uh, you know, we're seeing growth slow there, but yet mobile can be kind of a growth story for them, and they, you know, that's attached to, to home broadband. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to understand, like, what, what's happened, you know, within the last six months, where it feels like there's uh, a much wider interested group of cable operators interested in getting into mobile. 
Yeah, I think there are two under underpinnings there. So one is that uh, obviously the uh, charter and Comcast have uh, proven to be a uh, complete success in the area of mobility. So they, a, having added 10 million customers and probably those customers who uh, choose mobility in addition to uh, cable broadband and, and cable television have very low churn characteristics, I'm guessing, which leads me to my next point, which is that uh, I, th I think that all the cable companies are feeling the heat from wireless carriers. I'm thinking first and foremost about T-Mobile home internet, uh, Verizon home internet, uh, but also there are 2,800 uh, WISPs that are out there, and uh, and and you know they they, they are very active and uh, seeking business as well. So um, I, I think that the cable companies, quite frankly, are feeling the heat uh, from these uh, these wireless connectivity options. Okay, and on the other end, you know, talking about like feeling heat, what's 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 your sense on the level of concern among the incumbent um, MNOs, right, about uh, cables prospects and mobile as more operators get into the game. Um, you, you know, do, you, do you feel that uh, they're overly concerned? Uh, at least it has their attention. Is it? In, do, you, do you think it's going to impact more uh, how they uh, price and package their services to, uh, you know, maybe make sure they have an alternative to, you know, something that's like parity on with what some of the cable guys are doing. Well, I think that the uh, MNOs are uh, impacted in different ways. So for T-Mobile and for AT&T, anytime they lose a customer, they lose a customer. So anytime someone chooses uh, one of the, the cable mobility services. Um, but for, for Verizon, the, the risk profile is a little bit different because they're the underlying wholesale provider. And so they get paid either way. Obviously, they'd rather get paid at the retail level than at the wholesale level. But, uh, but they, they uh, monetize all these customers one way or another. Okay. And thus far, um, just to kind of talk a little bit more about packaging and pricing, um, I think the U.S. cable operators, they've been fairly no frills um, with their mobile packages, focusing on, you know, kind of simplified by the gig or unlimited plans and not, you know, sprucing them up with a bunch of promotional offers that tie in uh, bells and whistles like access to you know, 12 months of a streaming service or six months or so forth, or pair them with device subsidies. But um, do you think there's enough growth uh, runway ahead for them to uh, you know, continue on that path? Or do you think they're going to have to adjust their pricing and packaging strategies a little bit? Are you asking for the um, the wireless carriers or the cable companies? Uh, for the cable companies. Yeah. yeah, I think they have plenty of growth runway there um, because they're not that mature in a lot of different ways. Like uh, they, they don't do much in the way of selling hotspots. Um, tablets, uh, that's been a limited push so far. Um, they don't do much in the area of enterprise connectivity, and they don't have, uh, for example, ruggedized handsets uh, for uh, construction crews. That, that's not an area where they play. They, they just sell uh, basically the conventional uh, iPhones and, and Galaxy devices that you would get. And one other observation is that uh, when we visited the uh, the Cox store, we, we noticed that they were only selling Samsung Galaxy devices. So I think it's very early days. They, they don't have a prepaid offering either. Um, so there are a lot of capabilities that a fully mature carrier like T-Mobile or AT&T or Verizon provides that the cable companies don't provide. So I, I still think it's early days in, in terms of uh, – uh, gaining maturity and broadening their offerings. Right. Yeah. And going back to, to Cox, right. I think at CES and you had observed it earlier. Anyway, they don't have iPhones yet, but they're going to have them available 
fairly soon. Um, but right. it seems like, hey, that, I mean, that's a must have, right? And yeah. I think that that was a hole in their strategy the last time, you know, Cox was in that business. You know, they, they were right. complaining about, hey, we don't have access to the quote unquote iconic devices out there. But it feels like, you know, once they get the, uh, the iPhone in there, at least that erases you know, one of the issues that they were dealing with the last time. Right. Yeah. And uh, one promotion I'd like to hit on, right, we, we, you know, since we're talking pricing and packaging a little bit, is what uh, Charter has been doing with um, uh, Spectrum One, whereby they've gotten aggressive with um, a bundle that features you know, home broadband, Wi-Fi, mobile, starting at uh, around $50 a month for 12 months under the promotional pricing. Um, and I guess we'll know in the months and quarters to come how that uh, promotion is performing. But uh, how effective, I mean, what do you think about that promotion? How effective do you think that can be? Yeah, I think uh, I recently wrote an editorial for Fierce Wireless saying that 2022 is the year of convergence. And I think Spectrum One is one of my big examples of that because the um, the um, wireless offerings and the broadband home broadband offerings had been sort of separate until 2022. And then all of a sudden you have the Spectrum One offering popping up. You have Verizon and T-Mobile both providing deep discounts on home broadband if you uh, also choose certain plans like Magenta Max. If your family chooses Magenta Max, you can get uh, T-Mobile home internet for $30 per month. Uh, Verizon has something similar. Uh, so really we're seeing a, a lot of convergence, so, you know, bundling of your offers uh, together. And that, uh, that, that's been, uh, that was a major trend for 2022. Yeah. How about 2023? I think you talked a little bit about earlier, but what, what do you, maybe whether it's cable or, you know, the, the larger mobile arena, what, what, what do you think is going to be the big story this year? Well, we're going to see a deepening of that convergence and then the rise of junior cable with the cable companies jumping in. Um, one other thing that we've seen uh, development for the back half of 2022 is that the cable companies are not uh, just sort of lying down and, and letting uh, T-Mobile and Verizon steal all their uh, broadband customers anymore. They're, they're now running TV ads to, to fight back against this. So um, what Comcast has done is that they have uh, launched a series of ads where um, Judy Greer, the famous actress, appears as a home counselor, and she's talking about uh, you know why you're not getting uh, the kind of connectivity you need for um, for home internet uh, from T-Mobile. Uh, they they, they mention uh, T-Mobile very specifically in the ads, and in one of the ads, they show a family waking up in the middle of the night to get uh, adequate internet access at a time when other people aren't using it so much. So, um, and then Cox has run an ad uh, that's very critical of uh, what they call phone internet. They show a little girl building a card house out of phones and saying that uh, you know home internet from a, a phone company is is not reliable. Yeah, there's a couple of ways to look at why they're doing these uh, critical kind of attack ads, right? I mean, I guess you could say, hey, they've got their attention, um, uh, you know, as a, uh, a competitor. So you have to, uh, you know, really uh, go after them and try to poke some holes uh, in, in what they're doing. Um, I mean, do, do you agree with that? Or how, how do you, what do you feel about the kind of strategic direction that they're going with? Uh, from the marketing side against fixed wireless. 
Yeah, it remains to be seen. They're, they're trying to build up the image of unreliability of, um, of wireless home internet services. Uh, and, and I haven't seen a lot of reports indicating that the, the service is that unreliable. Most people seem to be fairly happy with it. And uh, But, but I, I completely understand why the cable companies are doing this because uh, T-Mobile just reported their 4Q numbers and it was well north of half a million subscribers. Uh, they also had well north of half a million subscribers in 3Q as well. So uh, clearly T-Mobile and Verizon are taking home internet customers at a tremendous pace. And uh, obviously the cable companies are not going to take that line down. All right. Okay. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, in addition to uh, subscriber growth, um, you know, profitability of the mobile piece of uh, the cable business will be a focus for operators um, as well. And you know, all the, a lot of the existing players have talked about uh, using Wi-Fi and perhaps, you know, CBRS to help offload uh, some traffic and cut down some of their MBNO costs. Um, and while that piece of the strategy is still relatively uh, nascent, uh, how important do you think it will be for the cable guys down the road? Do you, do you think uh, they need to do a bunch of offload to make mobile the mobile business work for them? Or is there enough evidence even today that you know they can become profitable uh, without having to rely so much on uh, offload? I think it's almost inevitable that at some point in the distant future, the cable companies will be operating their own networks and they can, uh, it's, that's def obviously a scale game. You, you, um, what we've seen is, you know, all, all the small operators almost have been purchased out by Verizon and AT&T in recent years. It, it's definitely a scale game and you have to have scale to compete at this. But the thing is that at a certain level of traffic, it will become um, compelling in economic terms for the cable companies to have their own networks because you the the it's a gigantic stair step in profitability going from uh you know being a reseller of someone else's network to owning your own network so um I, and i don't think we're going to see a headlong move into this we're probably not talking a major move in 23 or 24 but uh but down the line i, I expect the cable companies to be very heavily involved in operating mobile networks yeah, it kind of feels like they are kind of still exploring, kind of feeling their way into that part of the business and kind of maybe creating templates for something that they might do at a grander scale, you know, sometime further down the road. So right. we'll definitely keep an eye out on that. Okay. Well, great. Well, uh, well, thanks, Jeff. I think that's where we're going to leave it today. We covered a lot of ground, but uh, again, thanks for joining the podcast and sharing your insights. Uh, I very much appreciate it. Well, thanks for inviting me. I, I had, a, uh, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Chef. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks.